0: So today we come to the final chapter of the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 50. So please open your Bibles up there. Now, last week we talked about um, the kind of father, the kind of dad that Jacob was. And we saw where at the end of his life on his deathbed... He prophesied over the lives of his sons. Um, And we saw that he didn't hold back the truth, right? Um, Though lying, you know, or or sitting up on the edge of his deathbed as he was there, he still stood tall in his integrity as a man of God, as the man Israel. And I mentioned to those that were here last week that... um, You were getting your Father's Day message a a week early, but for the fathers here today, happy Father's Day. hope you have a blessed day. But at the end of chapter 49 last week, we saw where after Jacob was uh, finished speaking, we are told that he drew his feet up into the bed and he breathed his last and he was gathered to his people. And then here in chapter 50, verse 1, it says, then Joseph fell on his father's face, and wept over him, and kissed him. So, you know, no matter how, this is what I started to think of when I read this verse, was no matter how prepared we may think we are for the death of a loved one, mourning, the mourning process is a a natural and a very necessary thing. Not necessary for the deceased, of course, but necessary for those that remain. And as people on this earth, we are a, you know, we're familial and we're communal, meaning that we function every day on this earth within families and in within communities. That's how we live as people. And in all of this, there is fellowship and we live together, we eat together as families, we work and we move about together as, as people, as communities, Right. So when a loved one or a neighbor or a co-worker passes on or we receive bad news about them or whatever it may be, we mourn, right? Or at the very least, we feel a sense of sadness. Jacob here lived to be a good old age. He was 147 years old when he died here. But his life had great impact on others, as each and every life does on the face of the earth today, right? Uh, Some people die what we would call too young. Others live to be to what we would call a good old age. But nonetheless, there's a time to mourn because a part of you, a part of us has left the earth and a soul is no longer with us. Someone that we have communed with in one way or the other has Mm -hmm. gone away. Now, I'm not trying to to tell a sad sad story here this morning, because actually behind what I'm saying, as I read verse one, this is what came to me was an exhortation, right? And that is an, an exhortation to love, an exhortation to express your love to those that you live with on a daily basis and that you commune with in this world. Express your love to your father, of course, your mother, your children, as well as to those that are not your family. Jesus said we are to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So you see, love is the more excellent way, as we're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There at the end of chapter 12, Paul says, I will show you a more excellent way. And then he begins in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians to talk about love. So there's no regret in love. When that person you hold dear does breathe their final breath here on this earth, as we've seen has now happened with this man, Jacob, we will mourn no matter what, but that mourning can be with no regret if we would just take the time to express our love for them while they're still here on the earth. And this is really the life, the simplistic life that the Lord calls us to. To be a people of love who express our love to one another. Joseph, as a son, he actually only had about 34 years that he spent on the earth with his father, because his first 17 years of life he was with his father, and then the last 17 years of his father's life he was with him. There was that time in between where Joseph was away from his father, um, being held captive in Egypt, right?
1: And now here
0: in verse one, we see that his father is gone and Joseph is greatly mourning his loss, right? So honor the people you love. Express the love that you have for them in your soul. Not just on days like today, which is Father's Day or on Mother's Day or things like that, but as much as we can throughout the year, we need to express our love for one another, Um, Don't be afraid to speak with your mouth and to show with your actions the love that you have. Because one thing's for sure, death death is for sure, right? One by one, each one of us will leave the earth. In the Lord's time, we will leave this earth. But again, it's it's not a sad story here. It's it's, it's somber, but somber can be a good thing. So the exhortation that I see from verse 1 is we see Joseph weeping here is to to love while we live. Express our love while we live. You know, live life to the fullness and love to the fullness each other and the people that, that God blesses you with here on this earth to be in your life. And now Joseph here is going to be the son that will step up and take responsibility. And in verse two, it says, and Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father. So the physicians, so the physicians, embalmed Israel. Forty days were required for him, for such are the days required for those who are embalmed. And the Egyptians mourned for him 70 days. So even though Jacob, also known as Israel, right, was a stranger in a strange land when he died, the people of that land held him in high regard. And there was 70 days of mourning for him. Uh, We don't have the details, but Jacob's life had an impact while he was in Egypt, even though he was only there for 17 years. And if you walk through this life as a man or as a woman of God, if you walk with integrity and you live in a biblical manner, you too can leave a legacy of honor behind. So there's two sides of the coin. The one side is to be the person that loves others, While you're alive and while they're alive. And the other side of the coin is to be a person that is lovable yourself. Live in such a way that you're going to leave a legacy where people will honor you. Uh, One thing is for sure in this life, we do reap what we sow. If you are a selfish person in the way that you live and your life has always been about getting what you want get for yourself, right, and such, then don't be surprised if you find at the end of the, your life you're, you're dying all alone and there probably won't be much mourning for you. But again, our Lord calls us to love, and He also calls us to be lovable, people of love, people of kindness, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. But verse four goes on and says, "'When the days of his mourning were past, "'Joseph spoke to the household of Pharaoh, saying, "'If now I have found favor in your eyes, "'please speak in the hearing of Pharaoh, saying, "'My father made me swear, saying, "'Behold, I am dying in my grave, "'which I dug for myself in the land of Canaan. "'There you shall bury me. "'Now therefore please let me go up and bury my father.' and I will come back. And Pharaoh said, Go up and bury your father, as he made you swear. Now, we saw this at the end of chapter 49, where Jacob pleaded with his son Joseph to allow him to be buried, not in Egypt, but back in Canaan, the promised land. And Joseph, in his integrity, will honor his father's wishes here. And verse seven says, so Joseph went up to bury his father and with him went up all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his house and all the elders of the land of Egypt, as well as all the house of Joseph, his brothers and his father's house, only their little ones, their flocks and their herds, they left in the land of Goshen. And there went up with him both chariots and horsemen. And it was a very great, gathering. So the Bible, the Word of God here is going to great lengths to point out to us that this man Jacob, this man Israel, is receiving a great amount of honor at his death. Uh, the funeral pr- procession here was huge. This means that his life had an impact. But you know the fact of the matter is is that many men and many women die alone in our society today. The circumstances of their life were such that there was no one there at the end of their life for them. And and as I mentioned, it's, it's good to be a family of love. It's good to be a community. But there is something even greater than this love, and that is the love of God for a person. You see, the greatest love of all was the love that God displayed right? His love, the love that He gave. And His love is not like our love. His love has no bounds. When we love in certain circles, right? We do, right? But His love has no bounds. God's love has no bounds. Those we associate with on a daily basis, we can love. And again, this is good. This is what God wants of us. But God's love reaches in the places where our love cannot reach. God's love reaches into the innermost being of a person deep within their hearts. And this love can be known by all, for it is a love that is without partiality. A person with this love in their hearts is never alone, nor will they ever die alone, because they will have the love of Father, of the Father in their hearts. So for you and me, as we as we live through this life and as we love through this life, We must love the least of these as well. Those that are not in our circles, if you will. Let them know the love of God that that God has for them that can be in their hearts, right? All around us today, there are shut-ins. There are lonely. And they move about amongst us. And if they are not a part of our circle, then we can still find a way to let them know that God loves them and that they truly do not have to be alone in this life because the greatest love of all is reaching out to them and calling them to himself. So let them know. And that's how Jesus wants us to live as well. That's why I said we live, in, we live on this earth and we're familial and we're commun- communal. Again, we live as a families and we live as communities. And God wants us to love in both ways, not just our families, but to love in our communities as well, and to reach out to other people. There are the homeless, there are the widows, there are the widowers, those that are in the nursing homes, right? But you'll also be surprised to, to, to find out that sometimes the lonely are your co-workers, the people that you associate with day by day. Right? They may feel unloved. They may feel unappreciated. So not everyone ends up with a funeral like we see Israel having here. Not everyone ends up with so many people around him, so, such great support. Right? And we are to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, affecting our families, but also affecting not just our families, but our communities being willing to be where God wants us to be and do what God wants us to be. We're to be a city on a hill, right? A shining light, an example to this world. So the story here in chapter 50 continues and verse 10 says, Then they came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond the Jordan, and they mourned there with a great and a very solemn lamentation. He observed seven days of mourning for his father." And when the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning at the threshing floor of Atad, they said, this is a deep mourning of the Egyptians. Therefore, its name was called Abel Misraim, which is beyond the Jordan. Now, Abel Misraim simply means meadow of the Egyptians. Misraim was a name used in that day for the Egyptians, and the name Abel or Abel, in this case here, means meadow. So we can get a visual picture here of where all these people were as they were mourning the loss of Israel. We can see, you can get a mental picture of where they were. They were standing in a meadow somewhere on the other side of the Jordan River. And the Canaanite people, the people that lived there at that time, took notice to how great this mourning was and they named this place after that. So his sons, verse 12, so his sons did for him just as he commanded them. For his sons carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, which Abraham bought with the field from Ephron, the Hittite, as property for a burial place. And after he had buried his father, Joseph returned to Egypt, he and his brothers, and all who went up with him to bury his father. Now, pause right there and I'll just tell you that the story of Jacob's life from a biblical standpoint began back in Genesis chapter 25, verse 26. That's when we started talking about Jacob. And this is where the biblical account of Jacob's life ends here in Genesis chapter 50, verse 14. He's now been laid to rest. So we saw his birth back in Genesis chapter 25, 26. And now here in 50 verse 14, we see his death being recorded. But what I'm pointing out is that almost 50% of the book of Genesis has been dedicated to this man, Jacob. A man uh, from whom came a family and then ultimately from whom came a nation, right? So the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis, um, has spent so much time on this one man of God called Israel. And in the end of time as we know it, all attention will once again be centered upon Israel, not the man, the nation. So we need to pay attention to this nation. What I'm pointing out is how important in the book of Genesis this one man's life was. Again, a man who became, from whom came a family, but also from whom came a nation. So we need to pay attention to what God pays attention to. And what God focuses on, we need to focus on. And it's always been this nation of Israel. And in the end times, it will be again, right? Right? And for Gentiles like me and you, or for Jews alike, there is one God. But this one God, as we have seen in the book of Genesis, is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. This is how he chose to make himself known in the world through this group of people. We live in a society today where the world, you know, especially in our nation for many years now, has begun to just ignore God. Took prayer out of schools, took the Bible out of schools. Even before I started in school, the Bible and prayer were taken out of schools. And we've become a nation that wants to take the word of God off of our courthouse walls. We've become a, we've become a nation that is, that is not focused on the things of God. But we as a people of God, need to pay attention again to the things that God pays attention to. And we've seen it throughout the book of Genesis here. You can learn so much just by reading through Genesis time and time again as to what God has done and what God is doing, right? And of course, from this people group, from the Israelites, would ultimately come our Savior, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And we are now living in a time where whomsoever will can now call on the name of the Lord and be saved. But that time will one day come to an end and God will again turn his attention upon this people, this nation, Israel. So again, pay attention to the signs of the times and what's going on today. And whatever you do, don't fall victim to the increase of anti-Semitism that is going around in the world today. It's increasing, right? The nation of Israel today, yes, we could say they're not a godly nation. They do not do everything right. They're a secular nation in many ways. The man Jacob, later whose name became Israel, by God, he was not a perfect man either. But nonetheless, God's focus was on him and God's plan was through him. And God's eyes are still upon the people of Israel today. So verse 15 then moves on and says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil that we did to him. So the brothers get a little worried here now that dad has passed away. And and maybe now that Joseph seems to be in this position of patriarch over the family, Maybe he will now also use his power in Egypt to get back at his brothers for what they had done to him. And we all remember what they did to him. Verse 16, so they sent messengers to Joseph saying, before your father died, he commanded saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespasses of your brothers and their sin. And they did evil to you for they did evil to you. Now, please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. So it seems as if maybe as you read this, you kind of try and picture what maybe happened. Maybe before Jacob died, the other brothers talked to their dad and say, what's gonna happen when you die? What's Joseph gonna do to us? Maybe you need to make a statement here, dad, on our behalf. And they're kind of quoting quoting something here from their father to their brother to say, you know, hey, don't, don't harm us, right? Verse 18, then his brothers also went and fell down before his face. And they said, behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, do not be afraid for am I in the place of God. Now pause right there because here we can really see the love that is in the heart of this man, Joseph. First of all, he weeps when they say something like this to him, right? He loved his brothers and he had no intention of harming them or getting revenge on them. And he went, and as we've went through the story of Joseph, right, over past weeks, we saw some parallels between the life of Joseph and the life of Christ. And I pointed those out to you. And even though when you think about that, even though the Jews had their Messiah crucified, do you really think that in the end, when all power has been given unto Jesus, do you think that he's going to take revenge on them? No, he won't. In the end, he will love them just as he loved them in the beginning with an everlasting love. The prophet Jeremiah proclaimed this in Jeremiah 31.3. It says, the Lord says of Israel, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And Joseph had a great love for his brothers. Back when he told them his dream of them bowing down to him, he didn't do it in an arrogant way. It was just the fact of the matter that God had given him this dream. They hated him, but we never saw anywhere, when we studied that story, we never saw anywhere in the pages of Scripture that Joseph hated his brothers back, that he hated them in return. We never saw anywhere in the pages of Scripture where Joseph was where it said that Joseph was bitter toward his brothers. Joseph was rooted and grounded in a relationship with the Lord God. He knew the truth in his heart. And here in verse 20, he says to his brothers, but as for you, you meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. So listen, as we look at verse 20 here, Joseph is speaking the truth. It is a fact that what his brothers did to him, they did indeed mean it for evil. Evil was in their hearts when they did what they did. But Joseph chooses the high road. He doesn't put his eyes upon flesh and blood. Instead, he puts his eyes upon God and the hand of God and what God has done in his life. And we need to always keep in mind as we go through this life that there are things that happen. People do evil things. People will treat you poorly, speak poorly of you, tell lies about you but you can always take the high road. You can always stay focused on God with your eyes fixed on Him. Because we have to keep in mind that we're told in the New Testament book of Ephesians that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, right? But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So often when people do us harm, or they simply offend us in some way or another, right? We want revenge. They say this, so we say that. They do that, so we do this, right? This is the way of the world, but it's not the way of the Word. It's not the way of God. It's not the way the Lord wants us to live. So which way do we live? Do we live in the way of the Word, or do we live in the way of the world? And this is how we always have to check ourselves. We always have to examine ourselves in everything, in every circumstance of life. Are we walking in the way of the world, or are we walking in the way of the Word? We need to turn our eyes to the high road, turn our eyes upon the Lord, and ask Him to show us how to react in certain circumstances. If we profess to be Christian, then we are professing to be like Christ, or Christ-like. That's what it means to be a Christian. So, did Jesus get revenge on his brethren, the Jews who persecuted him and ultimately crucified him? Did he think bitter thoughts toward them or did he say from the cross, forgive them for they know not what they do? Right? He didn't get revenge then. He's not going to get revenge when he returns. Again, he loves them with an everlasting love. So if we're going to be like Christ, then we will not retaliate against flesh and blood. But instead, we will choose, as Joseph did, to understand that what matters in this life is God's will. That's what matters, not the will of others. Doesn't matter what someone says about me or how they treat me. What matters is God's will in my life and in our lives. And when the rubber meets the road, we really have to learn to live that way with every circumstance that comes up. So Joseph assures his brothers here of his love. And he says in verse 21, now therefore do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So do you see that there? Do you see what, Joseph's actions portray, he offered his brothers comfort and he offered his brothers kindness, even though they did to him what they did to him. And our Lord, by his spirit, offers us comfort and kindness today. And you know, again, just from a practical standpoint, Proverbs 15.1 says that um, a soft answer, Turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Think about that next time somebody starts a little thing with you with their words. If you it's stirring up anger, and you can return it and keep it stirring, or you can put out a soft answer, a kind answer. Right? You see, the fleshly way to live is when someone speaks poorly to you or offends you in one way or another, the prideful, fleshly thing to do is to say, oh, no, you didn't, right? (laughs) And say something back to them. That's the prideful thing to do. You know, in, in this ministry, as Penny and I stepped out years back to do this ministry, people have spoken down to us, have spread lies about us, but in those circumstances, we chose just to walk away. We didn't retaliate. We just got quiet and walked away, right? Offer a soft word is what we did, and then we walked away. Now, of course, you learn from these situations, right? You don't keep fellowshipping with backbiters and slanderers. As Romans 16, 17 says, you need to note people that cause division contrary to the doctrine that you have learned, and you need to avoid them. And the doctrine though that I have learned through the pages of scripture is a doctrine of love. The doctrine of Christ is a doctrine of love. Joseph's brothers were repentant of their actions so he did not need to avoid them. He loved them because they were repentant. And what did he do? He spoke kind words to them and he comforted them, right? And he assured them that God was working it all out for good. Then verse 22 continues So Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's household, and Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph saw Ephraim's children to the third generation. The children of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were also brought up on the knees of Joseph, or on Joseph's knees. And Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. So again, we see the mention of the land, here in Joseph's final statements, the promised land, the land that would belong to who? It would belong to the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why do I stress that? Well, look at, because again, we need to pay attention to the times and look at the struggle over the land today and who they want to give the land to and who they want to take the land from. But the word of God is truth. And the word of God says that land belongs to the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the land we know today of as Israel. That's where Abraham and Sarah were buried. That's where Isaac and Rebekah were buried, as was Jacob and Rachel. And Joseph, too, wanted to be buried there. The Israelites had it good in Egypt for a little while. As long as Joseph was alive, They had it good there in Egypt, but Joseph will now die and things will now change. The Israelites will now go on to be slaves in Egypt. Everything's going to change for them at this point. There will be a new Pharaoh that will come in and that new Pharaoh will not remember Joseph, we're told. He will not remember all that Joseph did for the land of Egypt and how he saved that land. The new Pharaoh will forget Joseph. And then this new Pharaoh will come along and he will treat the family of Israel poorly. We will see this in the book of Exodus, which I encourage you to begin reading on your own. But there we see in these verses how Joseph prophesies to his brethren that they will one day be brought up out of the land of Egypt and will be brought back to the promised land. He prophesies, prophesies that at his death here. And we know that this indeed will happen and they will be brought up out of that land by a man named Moses who God will raise up to take them out of there. But Joseph instructs his brethren that when that time comes, that he wants them to carry his bones out of Egypt and back to the promised land. He wants out of there too. He wants to get back to that promised land that that God had for this people. Now, of course, it's going to take 400 years or so, over 400 years before this happens. What Joseph is talking about here isn't going to happen for another 400 and some years before they will come to this place, but it's important to Joseph here. And I will close this morning by asking all of us here, how important is the promised land to us? Jesus has prepared a place for us where all those who have come to faith in Jesus Christ will one day be. There will someday be a, a new heaven, the sky above us, and a new earth, right? And those that have repented of a life of sin will one day live in the new Jerusalem. That is our promised land. That's where we're going. It's not about where we're going here on this earth. This is all temporary. Where we live for, for the periods of time that we're here, it's not what's of great importance. It's where we're going when we're done with here. That's what it's all about. Now, that's our promised land. But are your eyes focused toward that place? Are your eyes fixed on Jesus today, the Lord, as the author and the finisher of your faith, right? If not, then we need to make the choice today to follow Jesus, to be Christ-like, to truly be a Christian, a follower of Christ, to be a person of love, a person that is a person that speaks comfort, that speaks kindness, right? That walks away from strife, that turns the other cheek, that walks on the narrow path and not the broad path. The rest of the world, all around us is walking on the broad path. We're called to walk on a narrow path because the God of all creation, the God that we have seen work throughout this whole book of Genesis now, As we've gone through this, we've seen God work. We've seen him work in creation. We've seen him work in the hearts of men and women and and in the lives of people, right? He loves us and he loves us with an everlasting love. And we can't shun his love and we can't trade his love for what this world has to offer. So easy to do, so easy to get caught up in being a people that walks by sight and not by faith, right? And for those of us, if we continue in the faith and we walk by faith, in the end, we will be in the promised land, the place that our Lord Jesus has provided for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your holy word. Thank you for this time that we have spent for a little over a year now going through the book of Genesis, Lord. And again, the most important thing, Lord, is not that we have studied it, not that we have read it, but the most important thing is do we live it? Many people talk about what version of the Bible they read, Lord, but the question is, is what version do we live? How do we live? Are we walking in your ways? Are we your people? Are we trusting in you? Throughout this book, Lord, we have seen your hand. We have seen that you are the God of all creation. Lord, we have seen people walk by faith. We have seen people turn away from faith. But what will we do, Lord? What is our choice? What have we determined in our hearts today? Thank you for your word. Thank you for your for your constant reminder to us, Lord, that you love us, that you have a purpose, that you have a plan for not only our lives as individuals, but for this entire world, Lord, you have a plan. And your plan will come to be, Lord, it will come to fruition. Lord, just as it is spoken in your word, it will be. So, Lord, may we be a people that walks by faith and not by sight. May we trust in you with all of our hearts. May we love you, Lord. And in, in and by so doing, Lord, may we love others. Love others that are around us, that you place in our paths, Lord. Fill us with your spirit. Lead us and guide us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.